Welcome to the Casello Waste Systems Podcast, Beyond the Bin, where we're lifting the lid off the waste industry to dispel the myths surrounding trash and recycling. Through interviews with community members and industry leaders and experts, we'll dive into the details about what goes into recycling, composting, landfills, waste reduction, and much more. Let's curb those misconceptions and change the way we all think about waste. Hi, I'm Shabazz. And I'm Brianna. We're your hosts for Beyond the Bin, where we'll learn what really happens to your waste and recycling. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Dave Allen and Tim Roll, longtime veterans in the waste industry who started in driver and technician roles and worked their way into leadership positions. They'll be dispelling myths about split-body collection trucks, discussing the role of technology in collection trucks, and what career paths look like for today for talented drivers and technicians. Throughout our podcast episodes, you'll hear industry terms and discussion on emerging technology. Here are some of the things to listen for in this episode. Hopper, an opening on a collection truck where waste or recycling is deposited. Split body truck, collection trucks that have two separate compartments, one for waste, another for recycling, so that a customer can be serviced in one trip instead of two. Res trash, short for residential trash, the stuff you and I throw out at our homes each and every day. Onboard scales, You'll hear Tim and Dave reference scales used on trucks for weighing trash or recycling. This emerging technology is being piloted in select markets, but isn't yet available to all Casella customers. Dave, Tim, thanks for joining us today. Can you give us an overview of our hauling business and what our hauling operations look like for municipal and commercial hauling? So on the equipment side, there's been a lot of changes in equipment with go, which goes into that, especially the municipal. It used to be all rear load trucks. Now it's all automated side loads, front loads. Um, the technology has changed significantly on those trucks. So my side of the equation is we supply the equipment that the operations need. So we start off with, you know, we have to keep the equipment safe. Um, it has to be reliable. Now, by reliable, I mean when it goes out in the morning, it runs all day and comes back. It needs to work efficiently, which means that everything on the truck needs to work the way it should so they can actually pick the trash up. And we have to do that as economically as we can. So we take all that in and kind of balance it and working with the operation side to say which is the truck, best truck for you to use for this need that you have, this, this contract or whatever it is to get the job done. Could you just clarify what a rear load truck is and what a side load truck is in case people don't know? Okay, so a rear load truck is the one that you usually associate with the with the trash truck, which is the, the opening for the trash. The hopper is in the back of the truck. So when the guys come to pick or the drivers come to pick the trash up, they have to get out of the truck. Or there's someone standing on the back of the truck. could be helping standing on the back. They have to go to the curb, grab the trash, throw it in the back of the truck. Uh, side load or automated side load is the one with the, what they call them one arm bandit sometimes. They have the arm on the truck, so the driver sits in the truck. He's got all his controls in the cab. He's got an arm that comes out, grabs a container, and dumps it into the truck and puts it back down. 
A lot of them now are being split body trucks, so they can carry two waste streams. You can carry either res- trash and recycling in the same truck. So people, a lot of times, will see the truck come by, and it's like, I'm separating trash and recycling, and they're putting it all in the same truck. The truck has more than one compartment, so the trash actually goes on one side, the recycling the other, but from the outside, you don't see that plate that flips back and forth to guide it the way it should go. And with the side load trucks, it's super important that the container toter is at the curb with those metal bars facing out so that the driver can actually hook onto it, right? Well, it, we want, especially on, with most uh, municipal routes, we've got recycling and trash. Uh, that driver is sitting up. He's got to identify which is which. And the, the efficiencies that you get from an automated side loader really come from that driver not having to get out. And so, yeah, it, it being placed at the curb in a particular location so that he can reach it with that one-armed bandit is important. And that's really what automation has done for us. It's everybody uh, in this economy is dealing with the reality of labor shortages. But automation came really before we were feeling that. Where it's really helped us is guys my age can run an automated route. Automation has allowed us to continue to evolve and provide that service, uh, and it's kept it safer. Right, there are fewer injuries, but but what used to be a driver and two helpers on the back is now one driver. That's really been the change with municipal or residential. That's now one person driving that truck, doing what used to be three or four hundred stops with two guys on the back. Now those routes are doing over a thousand stops a day. So placement of that cart uh, really is important. Right, eventually that that truck that used to be a hundred thousand dollar truck is now near a half a million dollar truck. So we have to get that productivity to, to make it work. So again, yeah, placement of that cart that, that the average homeowner might not think about, uh, that's the difference between that driver finishing that route that day. Every time he has to get out, you've taken all the safety enhancements and, and efficiency enhancements that that automated truck gives you, and you've kind of thrown them out. The equipment's safer, and we're doing it with fewer people, right? That, that's, that one driver now has the productivity and the responsibility that two or three people used to have. And what it's really created for my side, side of things is that driver has always been key, but now they, they are even more so key. They're driving a half a million dollar truck that might service a thousand customers a day that weighs 60 or 70,000 pounds. And he's got to put it the same spot that we put a Prius and a pickup truck. Uh, that that driver is, is not the same driver 25 years ago. You used to kind of roll your eyes when you heard the phrase professional driver. You don't roll your eyes about that anymore. These folks are really highly trained, uh, running really sophisticated pieces of equipment. It's one of the things our, I don't think our industry does a good enough job of letting people know that you know when you're, when you're in traffic and you see that rubbish truck next to you, uh, most people don't know they're looking at a half a million dollar piece of equipment with a really well-trained guy or person driving it. That's one of the things we could do better. And well, along with that, the technology on the vehicles has changed significantly. So when I started off in this industry, we were all considered mechanics. It was mostly nuts and bolts. You could look at it, you could figure everything out. Today, I'm very careful to call them all technicians because if they can't plug a computer into a truck now, to diagnose a problem, they can't get it fixed. So the skill sets that are needed today are very different from the skill sets that were needed 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, the, the, the ABS braking systems make the trucks safer. The, the controls for the, for the bodies used to be a mechanical linkage. It was a cable or a rod. Now it's a joystick that controls a, 
a controller which does an air thing which so the technology is very very complicated today so the skill sets that are required for the technicians is very very different than 20 or 30 years ago and those people are getting harder and harder to find every day circling back to your comment on technology as far as like the body of the truck went can we talk a little bit about how technology has changed in the cab of the truck you want me to start with that Go one? So we have added a lot to the cab, and we're trying to do it for a number of reasons. One is productivity. So the driver now can control a lot more from the cab than they ever did before. And it's done now very primarily through joysticks and, and rocker switches, right? So instead of levers or getting out to the truck to open the hopper in the back, it can all be done from inside the cab. Uh, we also can now, we have scales in the truck, so we can weigh every load. Uh, we're looking at some onboard computerized systems for the trucks. We have some, you have a bunch you're running right now. So we can now collect how much trash we picked up from every location every time we pick it up. That, that technology helps us with customers in ways I don't think we expected. Those customers that might have a sustainability plan on their shelf that isn't covered with dust, right? That it's really an important part of what they do. They want to know more than just did you pick up my material? But they want to know how much and where mm -hmm. so that they can target improved recycling or diversion programs to a specific location on their campus or at uh, one of their facilities. So the technology that you were just talking about, it, that allows me to, to identify where the material is coming from and develop a plan to improve diversion. I don't think that's where that technology started, but it's delivered an opportunity for us to just provide better service. Can we talk a little bit about challenges that we see today and where you guys kind of see collection going in the next handful of years? The biggest challenge that we have with technology is keeping up with the technicians who can keep that technology working the way it should. So what we're doing now is we're doing a lot of training in-house to get people who have the talent and the desire and to train them so they can actually maintain this equipment. It's very complex. There are multiple computers that all have to talk to each other on this half million dollar piece of equipment that's driving down the road, hitting all the potholes, getting all the bumps, dealing with the chemicals that they put on the roads in the winter and the corrosion. So the biggest challenge with technology is keeping it all working. Yeah, you you, uh, uh, you 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 imagine bolting my bathroom scale to the back of my pickup and have me drive around New England roads, and I'm much thinner <laughs> than I might appear after I get on that scale, right? <laughs> so we put a couple hundred thousand dollars of technology in a four or five hundred thousand dollar truck, put it in a really rough environment, right? Just to begin with, what we do. There are more moving parts on our truck than on any other 10 trucks you see on the road together. And then we drive them over New England roads. So yeah. keeping that technology simple, functional, so it gives us meaningful data to do something with, right? Um, that's a challenge, my end of the challenge that you just described. The, the simpler you make it for the operator, the more complex it has to be in the back yeah. and to make it simple for the operator. And that's, that's probably the biggest challenge that we have. So we have come up with a program to offer that training in-house. We hire technicians at a basic skill level. As long as they have the inclination and the basic abilities, we have a training program that will bring them up through levels. 
It's all documented. It's well laid out. We have it well defined, I guess maybe a better term, that, you know, you take this training. Uh, you have to prove that you have absorbed the, what, you've, what you've learned. And then we move you up a level. So we advance through the company and we feel that we've put together a program that will be, we call it a career path. We feel it's a full career path. It's a, it's a job you can go in and you can grow in within the company. We will supply any training that you need. We support that. Uh, we we compensate you for t- doing the training. It's and you you end up with a with a good skill set, good career, uh, something you can hopefully keep with us. Or if you choose to go somewhere else, no one can take away anything you've ever learned. So, so for me, that's the best part of our industry. You can come up anywhere you want from the back of a truck. Most of us did. And the most exciting part of my job these days is bringing young people in and showing them that path that they didn't know was there before. Whether it's young guys coming out of the military with some leadership experience and we got to show them an industry they didn't know. Or it's young people helping them get their CDL and, and giving them a career path where they can buy their first home, they can raise their family. That That's an opportunity that a lot of inter- industries, everyone's trying to figure out how to get young people interested in what they do. Best part of my job is I get to do that all day long. And we've had some success, whether it's down the path of solutions folks who see an opportunity to to really feel like they're having an impact on the environment they live in, uh, drivers who see an opportunity to do something they want to do and, and, and a company that will train them to do it, technicians. Uh, I can't remember the last time I called them a mechanic. Uh, yeah, so for me, that's, that's the best part of the job. And I'm a Casella poster boy. We do it better than the other guys. We want more, but we've got a lot of young people building great careers in the company that, that weren't there five years ago. It's it's good stuff. This is actually something I probably haven't shared enough, but I remember just, I think it was last fall or maybe it was this winter, I had a meeting in the Auburn hauling division and I, I'd stayed a little bit late to, to work on some stuff. So I, I was still there when, I don't know, it might've been sort of like a, like the late night shift of diesel techs came in. So it was like 7 PM or something like that. And so I actually like was crossing through the canteen and ended up talking to, to one of the folks who was there probably about my age sort of in that range of millennial if you will and uh, so I, I was just asking him about how he got into his position as a diesel tech and he only been that been there at that point I think for like less than a year or about a year so I asked him what his formal training in sort of the, the diesel mechanics was diesel technician was and he was like well I just so I grew up working on sort of diesel engines and small motorcycle mechanics at home. And so I just had this interest and continued to do it. When he applied for this role, his experience that he offered was, well, I had sort of home diesel tech work that he had done and he got hired and put on a path and within a couple of months he went from doing more basic diesel maintenance truck maintenance to to sort of you know leveling up into the, the next level there on, on, on the career path of a technician which to me was really cool because yeah it's just not something you would imagine is is a you you think someone's gonna go to technical institute or go to technical school and then graduate into that but this was an example at least anecdotally where we had someone who sort of came in and was like, well, I've got the experience, just never done it in a formal setting yet. In Salem, for example, I think we have two of the 
the mechanics, and I think they're both at Class B now. Just a few years ago, one was a container delivery guy, and the other was a PM, a preventative maintenance technician. Both of those guys have shown an, an aptitude and, and a work ethic, right? I mean, none of it comes without hard work. And both are, I believe, B mechanics. Those are, those are great careers. These are highly paid, highly skilled jobs. The path isn't always going to a technical school. One of the things that's great about what we're doing is we're creating that path and you can earn a living while you're following it. That's, that's not an everyday opportunity. It's one of the good things about what we're doing. Yeah, I, I work a little bit on my own sort of like vintage motorcycle. It's gas, <laughs> but, you know, might be an alternative career path yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if this doesn't go <laughs> well for this, me. Come, come to stay on the <laughs> and, and another thing just to add, when you talk about the technical schools, our trucks are so complex that they won't get training on the entire vehicle. With the hydraulics, the electronics that are in the bodies, they may learn how to fix a transmission, rebuild an engine, but when you take the whole package that we have on our trucks, there is no school out there which right. will give you the whole package. So we've, we've brought it in-house. But that makes our training that much more valuable, right? It really is custom training. Yeah. We don't want to lose you, so we're going to work really hard to keep you happy and keep you. But you end up on the other end of that program with some really valuable Absolutely. training. You're not going to get at a, at a technical school. I think for me, I didn't realize really until listening to you guys talk and talk about the technicians of all the people that are truly involved in keeping our communities clean and picking up the waste and trying to do everything in a safe way. There are so many masterminds behind it, including our drivers, like you said, the technicians, our teams at the transfer stations and the recycling facilities. And we all should probably keep in mind to make sure that what we're throwing away and recycling is safe and should be in those containers that we're keeping an eye out for drivers out in the community trying to service and just all work together. Dave, I think, you know, one thing that we were talking about earlier was how collections and resource solutions find room for collaboration just in the way that resource solutions kind of collaborates with, with all of our divisions, including our landfill, recycling, organics, and uh, the collections division. So could you speak to, to that a little bit and, and sort of the benefit there uh, for your customers? Sure. So uh, I work in a market where people are still learning who Casella is and what we're all about. And so those really high-profile customers, colleges, universities, the places that the community goes to see a hockey game or a football game, those have been the best vehicle for us to communicate to the market who we are. So success used to be you didn't notice us, right? A successful rubbish company was you didn't even know we were there. And failure was when they did notice you, right? And our industry is probably our biggest mistake. You don't want to hear us. You don't want to see us. You certainly don't want to smell us. <laughs> and now they want to know, that customer wants to know everything about the waste we picked up from them. And uh, that that's new for us, right? But that technology has to develop. Those customers are demanding that. When And when we do it well, um, it makes us incredibly competitive. Uh, it's one of the things uh, we talked earlier a little bit about how some of our solutions approaches to managing customers' resources has worked at kind of our boots on the ground level. That's where it works, is when we can use that technology to to give customers the information they want, besides just a bill at the end of the month. And so that solutions is what delivered that opportunity to us. 
Those are the customers that want to know a lot more about their waste than the average person. But they're a very small group of people. They all know each other. And the initial college or university, they were the ones that told the other ones to call Casella. They'll fix this for you. They'll do what you're asking for. And it's not always about money. It's about delivering a quality service and information that nobody else is delivering. That, that's been the vehicle to the market that has been successful for us to communicate who we are, what we do, that we're a little different than all the other bears in the woods. And uh, so that's been a big piece of our success in, in this market. That uh, sort of brings me to a to thought that I'd had earlier. Brianna and I both being in resource solutions and sort of cutting across the whole company. We know that like resource solutions and collections have some relationships as far as how we service certain certain accounts and certain customers. Can you talk a little bit about what those collaborations look like and sort of servicing customers? Yeah, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a driver in a truck that has to pick up the material and bring it somewhere before anything happens, right? And those customers I was talking about, whether it's a college or a university or a, a large business campus, uh, where we found success doing it together is first on those colleges and universities where they have that sustainability plan that means something. That works when you integrate somebody with a solutions approach right into operations, right in the front of the truck with the driver. It, it doesn't work from 20,000 feet. Uh, where we've had success uh, within our location is that resource solutions person knows that driver very well, knows that stop very well, and understands how that relates to the information we're trying to get back to that customer. That's how it works. It's when it's integrated really closely. We've done it wrong enough times too, right? Where we <laughs> tried to do it from a distance and it, it doesn't work that way. You summed that up well. Yeah. We've done it wrong enough times. <laughs> so when we look at the collections industry and think about what we want folks out there listening to, to take away from this, what's what are the one or two takeaways that, that you'd want people to remember from this? We have... A dedicated group of people who are out there doing the best they can every day to provide a service to our customers. At the end of the day, it's the service to our customers which counts more than anything else. So, you know, those guys are out there. They're working hard. It's a tough industry. There are a lot of challenges. They're being pushed to be efficient and faster. At the same time, there's an incredible focus on being safe out there and courteous on the road. So these guys are running a bit of a challenge every day of how to get their, their job completed, how to get the trash picked up, how to do it safely, efficiently, courteously, and keep that truck on the road. It's a challenge. I don't know if I drifted off subject there a little bit, but to me, that's that's the biggest thing that people, I think people should be aware of is it, it is a tough industry and these guys are working hard every day. Yeah, for me, it's so, so trash finally got sexy, right? <laughs> 10 years ago, nobody wanted to talk about it. We're talking about it, and that's awesome. That's, that's going to drive some of the solutions we're going to develop over the next 10 years. So if, if I could get everyone to take one thing away is take a little responsibility. Whether you're a homeowner and you're putting something in that bin, you know that that toaster probably doesn't belong there. If you're a community, take some responsibility for your waste and accept the fact that it takes trucks and people to get it collected. If you're a state government, take some responsibility for your waste and recognize that unless there's a smokestack, it's not recycled yet, right? Recycling doesn't happen at the curb and it doesn't happen at the MRF. It happens when someone turns product A into product B. Take some responsibility and accept the fact that we need disposal capacity for what we can recycle 
and for what we can. And the, the system doesn't work if we don't do that. It's not a new problem. We all know it. But so that one takeaway I'd give is take a little responsibility for your trash. I thank you both, Dave and Tim, for, for coming down for this interview. It was really interesting to, to learn about the collection side of the company. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Thanks for tuning in to learn about the emerging technology in hauling trucks and the career pathways for drivers and vehicle technicians. Check out our next episode where we'll be talking about landfill misconceptions, including a little history, as well as our landfill engineering. In the meantime, don't forget to follow this podcast, give us that five-star rating, and share your feedback on future topics you'd like to learn more about. We look forward to hearing from you. 